a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Rebels and Imperials to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Matt. Liz is on vacation, quite literally soaking up the sun in Florida right mm -hmm. now. So uh, she is not going to be with us, but uh, we miss her and we hope that she is having a good time along with Matt's wife, actually. So, uh, yeah, we, we got a we got a real bachelor pad situation going on both on the <laughs> podcast and at Matt's house right now. That's um, true. That's true. <laughs> me and Chomper is just living life. Li living, living large, my friend. Mm -hmm. Living large. So we are going to talk about uh, the next sort of, I guess it was like six or seven issues of the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover from Marvel. Um, mm -hmm. When we last left off, I think we had talked about, there There weren't that many issues of the event proper. There was that that sort of alpha issue that was the sort of the impetus for it. Then there were a bunch of prelude issues, and then part one and then maybe the first two or three books to come after that part mm -hmm. one but now you know before we get into specifics sort of how are you feeling about this event overall are you enjoying the scope of it or and i, I this is not me tipping my hand this is me just trying to present uh an alternative here do you okay. feel that it's a uh a little bit of a maybe a, a a bridge too far like in terms of stretching out a story across too many pieces yeah so i i have i have in my notes not influenced by you um <laughs> but i was i was i it, it it occurred to me somewhere in reading was like wow this is what i've been asking for for years like why do we only have six characters in the star wars universe why is everybody everybody's cousin and then reading it is like oh this is why because when you have a cast of 30 people who you you maybe don't know maybe you're I am I supposed to know the kid with the mohawk fighting the like old gorilla guy I don't know <laughs> who are these people right. why do I care about them why do they all have ridiculous motivations they're all the best that's ever been at their perspective job yes. whether it's you know bounty hunting crime archaeology slash crime. Actually, much less bounty hunters than you'd think in War of the Bounty Hunters. Um, yes. But so I what I was thinking to, from the comic book point is I remember um, bazillion years ago, um, Marvel Civil War was such a big deal because every comic character got involved in some way or another. And there were some landmark ones and great ones. And then there was blade where blade fights wolverine finds out that you know when he was a youngin he saved him so they shake hands and go on their ways terrible why did that happen because it needed to because everything needed to tie into civil war right i feel like they're doing that here but we've hit the bottom of the barrel with only like six franchises <laughs> so we have new ones launching is this like I think Job of the Hut number one is one we read, and mm -hmm. still you're like, this is too thin. We we <laughs> have stretched this story really thin, even though we only have six comic series, which somehow has ten different storylines in them. 
<laughs> it's just they're juggling a lot. Um, and I, I wonder if by the end of this, if we just trace back the actual War of the Bounty Hunters, if we're going to be like, okay, this is a solid storyline. Um, but in the six issues we read, we moved 15 minutes in time. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I think the stretched thin is nail on the head right there. So, so I, I kind of have mixed feelings about this, right? On, on one hand, I like the idea of... How can I say this? Um, all right, so I'm currently rewatch. I, I rewatched the first two seasons of Twin Peaks. Okay. And I'm about to go into the third season for the first time, but there's a book that was written in the middle of them, like in the 25 years between the series, that kind mm -hmm. of like, it's, it's like a dossier of information. You don't need to read that to understand Twin Peaks at all. It's probably too much information in some ways, but I really enjoy the ability to go a little bit deeper on stuff when I want to. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of like... Um, you know, when when a band or an artist I like releases like the 25th anniversary edition of an album, and you get bonus tracks and demos and live stuff, and none of that is essential to enjoy the album, but you can sort of you can take as much as you want, and you can leave the other stuff off to the side. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if this had all come out ahead of time, and somebody had said to me like, "All right, here's the main story." Here are the best side stories. Don't worry about these. I'd have no problem with this. But that's not how how consumerism works, right? Like <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah. have to we have to read them as they come out and just kind of see what's happening. Because I think that, like, for instance, I think that the issues of Star Wars, of the flagship Star Wars book, have been really good, even if they haven't really been about the War of the Bounty Hunters. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel the same way about the Darth Vader series, that that has been those issues have been enjoyable even if they're not super connected i'm not i agree i'm not regularly reading dr afra nor am i regularly reading the bounty hunters book and so those there are characters in there that i'm just not familiar with and so i just don't give a shit about them like yeah i could not well, care less about them that's part of the problem is that the stuff that seems interesting because i'm approaching this from like oh this is War of the Bounty Hunters. I can, it's a jumping off point into this era, but I'm totally lost. Right. I don't know what's going on in Vader. They keep talking about, you know, Vader saw on Exegol. It's like, I don't like, I can piece together what I think that means, the, you know, but it's, it, it's just a lot to get into. It and is. it feels like the stuff that's being explained is the stuff that I just cannot care about. Um, and the stuff that's being left up to mystery is the really good stuff. Like, well, yes. I don't need to see more dirge um, ever. <laughs> but I would love to see more of, um, you know, this Darth Vader story. But we see, you know, the 90 sides of him stepping into a party. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but like, thin explanation of whatever else is going on there. Um so that that's my that that's my thing is that I was drawn in by the allure of this War of the Bounty Hunters story and so many of these other stories happening within it have really nothing to do with it and some of them I'm just lost in. Also, 
I'll I'll grind this axe now. Okay. Why was it not I for marketing reasons is the answer. But isn't this just like the search for solo? At this point, the bounty hunter interaction is minimal. Right. They are certainly not at war with one another. <laughs> no, they're at a party together. Yeah. And the and the major player is a syndicate, not a bounty hunter. <laughs> so yeah, but I, I mean, bounty hunters sell, but so does Han Solo. Right, like, right. Yeah. And the I hunt also for th- Solo, that would have been my pitch. I also think that if you pitched it as the hunt for Han Solo, you get two things. You get more name recognition. Because even though, mm-hmm. yes, people like the idea of Star Wars bounty hunters, I feel like if you took a, a survey of anyone who might read a Star Wars comic... The word Han, the words Han Solo mean more than the word bounty hunters to those people, mm-hmm. on average. I'm sure there are people who are who are on, or outliers, obviously, but I think that overall that's a that's an accurate statement. Yeah, I would also say that the point that you said about this not being a good jumping on point is a really important one. Like, I don't know, I can't imagine that the Star Wars bounty hunter comic is selling like hotcakes, right? Like from a Marvel standpoint, I'm sure they want more eyes on that comic. And so wouldn't it have made sense to use this as an opportunity to really let people know what that that comic's all about? Mm -hmm. And I I forgave it a bit in the prelude issues because like, all right, a prelude isn't really part of the event. But once the event itself started, it didn't really help me understand those characters more at all. No, there was no the the prelude didn't didn't introduce the characters or their backgrounds. Right. We're we're doing that now in the actual series <laughs> and not doing it that well. No. Like I think that Dr. Afra, I have not read that initial series. This is the second volume of that series and I've heard excellent things about the first series and I would like to go back and read it at some point it's mm-hmm. one of the few characters that was introduced in the comics and now has moved into the novels so it oh, started okay. the character is starting to find a way you know around the sort of um, you know around the, the universe and that's mm-hmm. a really cool thing I think it's great when characters migrate from one medium to another uh, but the Dr. Afra stuff I mean you get, the, you get the sense that she's a thief and she'll call herself an archaeologist and you see that she has some history with Vader, mm-hmm. but I don't like. Especially these books all have recap pages, like they yeah. all have that first page. It they should not be worried <laughs> about what happened in the past ten issues. They yeah. should be, they should be giving you, especially in a crossover like this. It should say Doctor Afra was X Y Z, then this happened, and now here they are. Just really, yeah. really simple. We couldn't have done that in thing. the prelude. We couldn't have done that like. I don't. Again, I I couldn't tell you anything about her. Beyond, like, it, it, archaeologist, thief, lesbian, doesn't like Vader. I don't know anything else about her. Right. Oh, she owns one of the animals from the pit scene in <laughs> Attack of the Clones. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna be know. really hard to sum up like I, I was thinking about this before we were recording like well are we going to talk about each issue and I kind of think we can't because the way that this the, the way that this the story is structured too is so issue two came out and issue two is all about this gala that's happening 
mm-hmm. that Crimson Dawn is hosting to get people to bid on Han Solo. Yeah. We know that Boba Fett is there and he is sort of sneaking around. And there isn't, but we should say, there's not a Boba Fett comic. So War of the Bounty Hunters, like Prime, that's kind of the Boba Fett comic, right? Uh, um, yeah, and and he sort of shares a spotlight in the Jabba comic. Right. Um, well, that, that's just a one shot. That's that. But, that's, yeah. So, oh, oh, okay. So yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, well, never was, mind then. That story was so essential, Matt. They felt they needed to print a whole comic about it. Wow. They, they a- a- added in a cannibal and. And again, move the storyline to exactly where it started. Uh-huh. Oh, well, that's the other part is reading this. How, how do we have in the same room right now Lando, Chewbacca, Leia, Han Solo and Carbonite, Jabba the Hutt, and Boba Fett? And Darth Vader. And Darth Vader. But we will meet these characters in a similar situation in... What a year, six months, maybe six like, months, and we will then have huge moments happen. And right now, like the stakes have ne- again, as, as the last time, the stakes have never been lower. Right. Like I don't. Again, I I I, I don't know. And well, it's stepping on its own toes because we see Bosk. Bosk really shouldn't be a part of this, but is right um, because whatever. <laughs> Well, so one of the things that bugs me about the the, the structure of it, so like I was saying, so the second issue mm-hmm. takes place at this at this gala, right? And then every subsequent issue takes us to that same space. Now, I understand why if you're just if someone is just reading the War of the Bounty Hunters series, which is probably the way to do this. Sorry, listeners, we're doing the whole thing. Um, <laughs> like, if if that's the case, I can understand why you want that to be where all the action happens. You don't want that to be the fifth time you see Darth Vader walk into that room, right? I I understand (laughs) that. But it just seems like you find out what happens, and then each issue rewinds like a half hour, and you get the (laughs) half hour leading up to that moment from a different perspective. And then like the next issue, when issue three comes out in August, it's going to do the same thing. It's going to push forward, you know, an hour, and then rewind ninety minutes to get everybody. It's just it's 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 not yeah. a very sustainable method to tell a story because by the time you get like, that Star Wars story, which I really enjoy, I, I want to talk about that one in particular in a few minutes. But yeah, oh yeah. By the time we got to that one, you knew like it's bad enough that these comics take place between two movies, and so anything major that happens cannot really be life threatening. And mm-hmm. not that, again, I, I hate that people think that all stories have to be, like, bombast and explosions and stuff, right? So I, I don't think that it needs to be that way at all. I don't. But I think that there needs to be stakes at the, in, in this story. And, like, there's, to me, any stakes that are in there are instantly debased by the the setting of the story between the two movies, but also... Mm-hmm. Because you've already read how this particular chapter ends, like you know that Luke doesn't wind up on that planet at yeah. the gala because you've read four issues already that don't show him <laughs> there. So, you know, it just it just seems like this. Like you said, the stakes are just <clears throat> so so low throughout all yeah. of this. Um, yeah, and then there's only, and I feel like there's a gentle balance too between. You know, let's see another side of 
what was going on with Vader, you know, that we didn't see in the films that we know George Lucas didn't write any of it. So we can only push it so far. Um, like we know he's not going to get assassinated by another, um, member of the council or whatever. Like, so some of that's okay, but relying on it too much. I think Philly is like relying on it too much yes. that they're trying to fill in between the lines, but just being too heavy handed with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's do this. Let's take a break and then let's just quickly talk about sort of, sort of some of our favorite moments from the, uh, from the series so far mm-hmm. from the dispatch of issues. And, uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mind Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast, and it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster one. And I'm Elias, the Bendis one. Make Mind Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. And we are back. So Matt, which of these issues, we should say, by the way, we um, we haven't even mentioned the specific issues that we're covering. Um, we, <laughs> did, uh, did, I, don't, I don't know if I wrote down... I, my notes are not by issue, so I'm not sure what comes where. Okay. I'll be honest. Uh, we started with um, Bounty Hunters for Star Wars Bounty Hunters 14. Uh, That's that with is... uh, Dengar and the Terminator. Yes, I believe so. Okay. Um, and then we did War of the Bounty Hunters 2, Doctor Afra, Darth Vader, the Jabba one shot, and Star Wars. Um, okay. Yeah, because the last one we talked about, I believe, last time was the issue of IG-88 fighting Darth Vader, like, by hacking yes. into his armor. So, yeah. Which which was a great story. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed that. Again, you, you knew where it was going, but it was fun and a great side to see. Yes. Um, yeah, it kind of hurts it that we then see that same story halfway <laughs> through the Vader one, but we'll get to that. Yes. Um, so did any of these issues jump out at you as particularly fun? Um, the Vader one was interesting. Um, the I don't I don't know if I call any of them fun, Brian. <laughs> fun is a stretch. Okay. Uh, um, but I really liked the Star Wars one. Um, the other ones just had weird fan servicey moments that were good, but I feel like that's that's the bare minimum they're giving us is just something to stay tuned for. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, I would say by far my favorite was the, um, the star Wars one. The Jabba one was okay. I don't know why we need to introduce a new character. Um, that then in the same way, then when we introduced, um, Darth Vader's like, right hand man who um looks like a transformer um (laughs) like i thought they were introducing the assassin that we then see with ray and whatever um we do the same sort of thing with the job like we're introduced to this new character you're like 
oh, is that Death Sticks? Which is a weird name for an assassin. Like, your name is just Cigarettes. I, I was um, going to say, your, your name is like Marlboro Red or something. <laughs> right? Um, but then it's not? And you're like, oh. Like, why, why, do we keep, why do we keep getting so close to the loops and then missing them? Right. Which, again, goes back to the very opening discussion. Like, do I want there to be eight characters in the universe or do I want more? I want more, but stop making them almost carbon copies. Um, but yeah, I forgot where we started. The first, the, the first issue, issue, literally the fun. only, yeah, Star Wars issue was fun. Um, the only good thing from the actual Bounty Hunters one is that we have someone named Mama Stamooch, like <laughs> Bachigaloops. Yep. Um, so that was fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then. Was that the one where they gave the timeline of Crimson Dawn and I'm still confused about yes, uh, what's well, happening? Yes, that one is the one where they mention like the Pikes and Black Sun and Crimson Dawn. And that was basically like a, hey, remember these names segment? Because they don't really <laughs> tell you much about them. They just remind you that those are things that happened or, or yeah. people that exist, I guess. They, they were like, you know, um, Crimson Dawn was powerful enough to bring together the Pikes, the Syndicates, and the uh, Death Watch. Like, no, Maul was, and he's chopped in half now, so right. don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I, I wonder, I was thinking about this last time. So, like, we, we all have very different relationships to Star Wars, which is why I like our podcast, because mm -hmm. I, I feel like each of us aren't coming at it from the exact same perspective. And I feel like you have a much greater sense of sort of the um the, the the sort of non-jedi stuff like you really like the mandalorian mm -hmm. stuff like I, I don't mean the show of mandalorian i mean like the idea of mandalore and yes all of that sort of stuff and i feel like liz is the most like movies only person that we have like she's mm -hmm. she engages with other stuff but obviously she her like main touch point is the films and so in saying all of that i wonder if you know too much for your own good to enjoy this mm. or if Liz knows too little for her own good to enjoy this you know like I don't I don't know yeah. what the perfect what what the perfect like audience for the for the series is yeah like what what is that sweet spot um it might just be people who read these comics like month yeah, in a month out maybe, and maybe that's the, the problem the, we have the here, real you know? big afro heads yeah exactly are, uh yeah, because again, reading it, you're like, this is sort of Shadows of the Empire, but not. Like, I don't. Like, again, my. Not to be like that cranky cloud. Um, but what is this? What am I supposed to be gleaning? How does this fit into everything else? And the real answer is it doesn't. It's a comic. Stop worrying about it. Right. Um, because I've been so trained by like the Disneyification of star Wars to think that everything goes into a neat box and it, it never did before we right. had a thousand backstories for every character, you know, team ups between Han Solo and Wolverine and, you know, Luke <laughs> Picard, like it didn't matter. Like everything was crazy and whatever. And you know, it's star Wars shut up. I think I need to get back in that mindset of like, it's star Wars shut up. Like, <laughs> Understood. Enjoy, yeah, yeah, but but you know, but for that to be the case, I think you have to make concessions to the new reader, 
and also to make concessions to tell stories that can be interesting. Like, I, I really struggle with the idea of there being any major stories that took place between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Just from a like, just from a logical standpoint, it's well, very, very hard for me to agree that things happened there that that would have mattered in the grand scheme of Star Wars. There is one, and this is the funniest part to me. There is one, for me at least, supremely interesting story that they just are not focusing on. Is I didn't realize after empire the fleet was like scattered or lost i don't know if that's something they made up for this comic or not um or if that's in the lore and the idea of pulling back together the rebel alliance to be able to mount that attack that start like that's interesting but they're treating that like the c plot that's <laughs> the right. again that, that's like the only major thing that happens um and they're just like mm, it's all right <laughs> it's like you know, mon moth is here again cool it's like we couldn't have done more with that all right i mean I, i'm trying to think about this so the last that we see like the rebels in empire is really early on in empire actually like we see them leaving hoth mm-hmm and then we never yep. meet back up with them. We see Luke meeting up with like a contingent, but it's really only a couple ships. Um, no, he goes gets... right to Dagobah. No, because he gets his hand. That that that's the end of Empire. Oh, you're right. Okay, that's the very end of Empire. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Um, but but apparently, in at least the comic lore, that's not the Rebel fleet proper. That's just one sliver of it. Well, that's an interesting question. That sort of looking at Star Wars from a sort of a, a wider lens than maybe we have in the past. Like, do we have any real sense of how big the rebels are at any point? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Like, and in, it's only and it's only been more recently that we've really been toying around with the idea of these independent rebel cells. Like, it was right. always part of the lore where you had, like, you know, the heads of the families or whatever, Mon Mothma, Guy in Green Jacket, other people. Um, but really with, like, Rebels brings in Phoenix Squadron. Um, uh, Rogue One brought in um, the idea of Saw Gerrera having his own rebel force. Um so I think that's a more of a modern take is the very, very dispersed nature of the rebellion. So I don't know if we have an idea of really how many ships we have or how big the fleet is. Um, yeah, because again, maybe the best depiction of that is in Rebels. Because in Rebels, we see them like stealing a bunch of ships and right. like locking down um, different yards and stuff. So... I don't I don't know if we know. I mean, then we see in I mean, jumping way ahead in the last Jedi, we know that most of the rebellion is contained within the Millennium Falcon at the end of the last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. That there that there is there is a fleet, I forget the name, whatever um Poe Dameron's like fleet was. Mm -hmm. They are off in the outer regions and we 
trying to get more people they're trying to get help essentially yeah but we but at that point we at least have an idea this is how big the re- the resistance is I, I i always have to remember what their bullshit term is it's the resistance <laughs> i still i still don't fully understand the world of the sequel trilogy in terms of how there can be a republic that falls apart in one day but that's a whole other conversation for a different day <laughs> um yeah yeah it uh... Um, but anyway, but this is that the Star Wars issue we're talking about is is a Luke centric issue where he meets up with uh, Starlight Squadron, which is Wedge Antilles Squadron, and they pick up a distress call on an abandoned planet, mm-hmm. and they see that the Empire are kicking the ass of some rebels, and there's a plan in place for the, basically a star cruiser, not a star, a star destroyer rather is like hovering above an active volcano which seems too dumb even for the empire but you know <laughs> i mean when when your captain wears a monocle there's no <laughs> limit to the dumbness that is true um and so uh luke leads this like mission to basically shoot at part of the volcano to make it erupt and what's interesting mm-hmm. here is this this seems like it's a story almost out of the legends of luke skywalker book that we read Mm-hmm. Where like Luke flies in and does this great thing, but then he doesn't do it. He fucks up. Yeah. He he doesn't yeah. hit the target. And I actually find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what the comic is trying to tell me about that moment. Like Vader's yeah. in his head. We know that mm-hmm. Vader's in his head at that moment. I wonder if that will ever be picked up upon, or if it will just be a thing that happens, you know, and then is moved along from because by the time that Luke encounters Vader in Return of the Jedi which is you know not until three quarters of the way through the film or something like that he is very confident in his encounters with with Vader he knows he he is confident he's going to turn Vader that Vader is not going to turn him you know and we don't see that Luke here Mm-mm. And I think that's one of the maybe interesting points that could be picked up on between these two movies is yeah. Luke's evolution from sniveling guy who is screaming no and falling to being the confident, nearly Sith guy <laughs> that we see in uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, because again, he hasn't. And he hasn't completed his training yet, but in reality, completing his training is gaining self-confidence. Right. Because you know, Yoda doesn't teach him any more like laser tricks. It's just <laughs> like, yeah, like what, what I mean to learn more is like, no, you got it. Just do it now. Right. Um. So I, they, I think he's still like crippled by self-doubt. Um. And it, it's what makes Luke so interesting is. I think right now too he's still like that fear of the dark side um and eventually he becomes stronger than any of the jedis before him because he embraces the idea of a holistic force not a pure light and dark um which he then falters on later in life and it ends up creating kylo ren and whatever um but yeah i would love to see that evolve a bit more um, so that's a really cool thread that I hope they pull on. Um, but I also like, did you notice they went back to a real core theme of, um, star Wars in general is 
the person who really makes the call and helps save the day is just a geologist who was like, do this idea. And they're like, no, it's like, don't really do it. And then the heroes act upon it and save the day. But it's really, you know, the everyday man who makes the rebellion what it is. Right. And I was like, that's Star Wars. I love it. Yes, and 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 to me, the best Star Wars movies oftentimes involve the everyman a little mm-hmm. bit better than some of the less great ones do. Like to me, I mean, again, I I could talk about how much I love the Last Jedi over and over again, but that last sequence in the Last Jedi when they see the kids inspired by Luke's actions mm-hmm. and like you know just things like that, I think are really important pieces of Star Wars, or even you know the the people who steal the Death Star plans. Every part of yeah. Rogue One, aside from I guess um Baz and Churrit who are who are, you know, guardians of the wills, but they're not they're not Jedi, right? Like it's mm-hmm. they're relatively normal dudes. Um yeah. so yeah, I agree with that. Um so the other comic I wanted to to briefly touch on, and I really do mean briefly here, is the uh, the Darth <laughs> Vader comic um that we got. Mm-hmm. Which introduces, well, I don't know if it introduces the character, but we get this character that is referred to as the Umbaron, who is that yeah. bald character. Was I supposed to know her? I didn't... She kind of looks like an Inquisitor. Yeah. But is not an Inquisitor. I'm guessing yeah. this is a character <laughs> from the comics that we're just yeah. not familiar with. But Inquisitor, I... yet, yet another one of the worst fleshed out characters in Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but, you know, w- w- when I look at this story, I-, I think that, okay, well, what I like about it is I think I always had the impression, like especially as a young Star Wars reader, that everybody was terrified of Darth Vader and nobody ever did anything to cross him because mm-hmm. they were just, oh, shit, it's Darth Vader all the time, right? Yeah. And so to see these characters that are not necessarily I mean they definitely fear him in some way but not enough to not try to take him down. Mm-hmm. I find that an interesting piece of the story. Yeah. And it just the it's interesting very much like how Tarkin has no fear of Vader. It's this idea of like the lack of belief maybe that protects these people like he's just a man in a tin can right um it is interesting to see that dynamic people who are like i don't need to be afraid of him i don't believe in wizards um i'll just turn off his sensors and shoot him so yeah yeah it, it is interesting to see a different a different group of people standing up to vader um obviously I don't know how far this storyline can really run, uh, but I am I am liking, and I, I also like anything with the internal politics of uh, the Empire in general. Um, I mean, that's part of why I like Thrawn stuff so much. Um, so the political part of it is just fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Also, uh, the fact that the Imperials would send back a report due to poor punctuation is <laughs> fantastic to me. As uh, someone who's currently teaching English, so. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, let me pull something up as we're sitting here talking. So, uh, 
we're we had said last time that we probably were not going to talk about this too much before the end of it, and I think I mean that this time. But we are we are currently the next issue to come out is War of the Bounty Hunters number three. There's going to be a one shot each month that like that takes the place of the Jabba Hut Jabba the Hut one shot. Oh, okay. So next August is I know two folks close to your heart for Laman Zuckus. Yes. I am uh, very excited about that. Yeah, so they have a one shot in August. In September, it's someone named Boosh. B O U S H H. Why do I yes. know that name? That name is familiar. Uh, why? That's another great question. <laughs> and then the last one shot is an IG 88 one shot. Mm hmm. Oh, Boosh. That's, um, that's Leia. Leia in oh. the disguise. That's. Okay, yeah. see, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, now I'm excited for that September one shot. There we go. How how many issues is this? How how long is this going on? Well, Do so, we know? Yeah, we know that it runs through, I, I think, November? At least October. So for right, we, we have announced here 6, 12, 18 issues before the end of October. Mm-hmm. But I think it might go longer than that. Okay. Like, because, for, again, for all I know, Jabba the Hutt just takes Han Solo and then they go to the palace. Like, that that, <laughs> that could be the end of this story. Well, so I think that there has to be – and that's actually I'm, – I'm glad we're talking about this now. I was thinking about the role of Boba Fett in this. Mm-hmm. When we see no, – sorry, sorry, this concludes in October. So it looks like it will be um, – it's a uh, – let's see. A five-issue miniseries, yeah. So October, so there's 18 more issues of this. Okay. Which is a lot. Um, just saying. I mean, I mean, it it feels like a lot, Brian, but that's gonna give us another maybe 30 minutes of time. It's like 24. It, it yes, happens that's true. in real time. That's true. Um, but so, um, what were we just saying? Uh, oh, Boba. About Boba. Yes. Yeah, Boba. So, um. So the idea of like we know that Boba and Jabba are cool, mm-hmm. or at least cool-ish by the time of Return of the Jedi, and I can't imagine Jabba being cool with with having to pay a million credits for Han Solo after he already paid Boba for it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there has to be more of a story there. Agreed. I don't. Yeah, know. And, and I guess we have to. We have to get Leia eventually into that bounty hunter persona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, do we do we think this is gonna be a long con? Do we think that Boba maybe is the one who gets Lando in to Jabba's palace? Or is that is that gonna be too much flexing the rules of the story or so far? I vote for two that I think that's maybe too far. Okay. I just I like I think Boba is willing to work with people like um Afra or some of the mm-hmm. other bounty hunters because there's sort of this like uh camaraderie among uh among scoundrels or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think that extends to Boba Fett. I mean, to Han Solo and Leia and you know others of their ilk. 
Gotcha. I think he draws a line of rebels. But I, what the fuck do I know? I mean, you know, who knows? Just, <laughs> that, 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 that's what seems logical to me. Um, yeah. Again, we're talking about a character who was in the scene, in the movies for about five minutes and gets like comically shoved into a sand butthole. Yep. That burps <laughs> after he eats him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> farts? Burps? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on what orifice you think it is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess we probably don't touch this again until October. Does that seem fair? Yeah, to that's you? that's fair. That's fair. Maybe we'll have more to say at that point. Yeah, I mean we got lots of other fun stuff coming up with Star Wars, so it's all good. We do, yes. Okay, Matt, I we're coming back at the end of the episode here. Okay, okay. The first issue of this series is called War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha. Uh-huh. What does Alpha mean to you? In regards to the Bad Batch. Oh, that's Boba. Yes. So if it ends with a War of the Bounty Hunters Omega, is it going to be our Omega? <gasps> oh, man. Or is that just me being really optimistic here? We, we, we Folks, we stopped recording. We were talking about I mean, something else, and I came back with thought of this idea right now. Wow. That would be, that would be great. Um... And it would coincide with the end of the Bad Batch series. Yeah. Do you think they could have planned that, though? Could <sighs> they have? Yes. Do I think they did? No. Yeah. I don't know. Is the War of the Bounty Hunters Bobo versus Omega? Because no one else seems to be fighting. <laughs> so, <laughs> not much of a war. <laughs> I mean... That would instantly pique my interest more. Yeah. But I don't know when they could introduce that. Is Omega Death Sticks? No. I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I don't know. That would be great. I forgot that Boba was Alpha. Better name than Boba. <laughs> yes. Um, Although Alpha Fett sounds like an alphabet, like, <laughs> that seems like a character like in a uh, in a children's show. Like, hey, I'm Alpha Fett. We're here to learn about me. You know, it just doesn't seem like a. Uh... Yeah, that's his. Uh, that's the Spaceballs version. Yes, exactly. Uh... Yes. <laughs> but wow, that that would be smart, and that'd be great cross marketing, and that'd be a really cool twist and I have zero faith that they could pull that off. Yeah. I don't think it's real. It just, ex- the idea excited me. Yeah. And so I, ha- I wanted to talk about it, but I don't think they actually pull that off. No, but I mean, listen, we've been wrong before. We said we liked the third movie. So, uh, yeah. was, yeah, <laughs> some of us were less, uh, <laughs> less sold on that. Than the there's a, there's a three episode arc where I come to a realization of it. Yeah, um. <laughs> it's hard, especially like, and this is maybe going behind the curtain a little bit, but like the fact that we were able to get into a press screening for that movie mm-hmm. felt really important, like in our fandom. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, so just, I'm just stating this. Okay, August 13th is the last episode of the Bad Batch for this season. And the Marvel solicitations for November come out the week after that. So if this ends with the War of the Bounty Hunters Omega, it will happen after the Bad Batch. That that comic will be announced after the Bad Batch is over. 
His timing is lining up perfectly. Yeah, but there's no way they're doing it, right? Uh, I know. I know. All right. We're ending the podcast for real now. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Liz will be back with us next time. Mm-hmm. Make sure to go to multiversitycomics.com for all your comics and Star Wars needs. And remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always. Always.